0: you
1: yes i mean you dear listener thank you thank you for listening to this warui Desho show podcast we're so happy to have the pleasure of your company today if you've listened to us before and like our show you might be wondering how you could support us since we won't take your money this podcast will continue to be free but if you'd like to show your appreciation please consider leaving us a rating and review on itunes as those help our discoverability if you don't use iTunes, that's fine too. You can follow us and like and share our content on SoundCloud and Twitter. Additionally, we love getting your feedback, positive or negative. Tweet us at Waterway-Show or email us at Waterway-Show at gmail.com. Whether or not it gets read right on the show, I can assure you, we all read every tweet and email you send us. And once again, dear listener, we thank you so much. Now please enjoy the show. What do you The
0: show?
1: Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and MBs. Welcome to Wario Dash Show. And you're in the stream of No, Fox- no,
0: no, stop, stop. It's a beach episode. No one gives a fuck. That's it. We're off. Night. Bye. Bye.
1: Just kidding. Hi. Hello. It's Waru Desho stream of thought. where We are going to give this episode its proper treatment. I hope you like your French toast sunbaked, because the French toast hour takes place in... Or sorry, on the beach. Spring and- break! Woo!
0: Woo! Treasure that, folks. It ain't ever happening again.
1: <laughs> Here to cover all the barbecues the shitty like djs and skimpy bathing suits it is i the slow taku the subtle doctor and alongside me the ever-present effervescent scrumpturlescent shabranigdo the dark lord dutch on hey, everyone cool okay um by the way, if anyone gets the reference I dropped, please at me because I want to be your friend. We we all need to be friends. Whoever understands Dragon Um right? Episode seven, Darling in the Franks, Shooting Star Moratorium. Are you ready, Shadon?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I'm 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 ready to talk about, uh, <laughs> you know. I genuinely think sometimes that this anime has a like a sentient will of its own, <gasps> because we keep we keep making jokes or suggestions that somehow come true in some way or another. Like hmm. in the, one of the in one of the previous episodes, I suggested why don't they just go and fucking steal Strelizia, and then they go steal a, and go and steal Strelizia, of course. Mm-hmm. And in. in just the previous episode, I literally joked <laughs> that, that there was a bit of fan service in each goes ass. I was like, well, it would make sense if it was from Goro's perspective, and, you know, then I could at least point to it and say that's why it's there as opposed to it not existing. And guess what we got in this episode? You really do get if you do ask for it. Well, there you go. <laughs> oh,
1: Clearly A1 and Trigger are listening in. They're definitely downloading this every week. No question.
0: If only so, they like can properly, like, find out who we are. The pieces get a hint, you know, so.
1: <laughs> Send agents.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, literally someone is just going to come and kick down my door and they're going to be dressed in a, uh, <clears throat> God, what were they called again? An ultimate uniform or something. and are just going to beat the everything shit out of me.
1: They're going to smother you with a Daikimura body pillow.
0: Ah, <laughs> Uh that's something I don't want on my.
1: That's that's the way we want to go out, right there, with your mm. white, wa- waifu strangling you, such that you can't. All right, this is getting far too personal. I'm getting a little. It's is it hot in here now? Is it? Can we can we fix this? Mm. No, it's just a mm. beach, mate. I gotta take a sip. All right, <clears throat> getting back on track. So let let's talk creatives. The director for this episode, Lucky Number Seven. Is a person called Toko Yatabe, who I had a little bit of trouble finding information on because Toko is spelled differently on Wikipedia than it is on Anime News Network.
0: I thought you were going to say that you were struggling to find out who he was because the directors are gradually getting more and more obscure.
1: Well, look, that is, yes. Okay, so it's nothing uh, like last week in which the person had literally no other credits. But the CVs for the episode director and the episode writer are skimpy. They are, they are like the, the swimsuits and school uniform skirts in this show. Skimpy.
0: Incredibly revealing? <laughs>
1: uh, I don't know how revealing they are uh, about the people themselves. They might be, I'm going to go on a limb and say revealing about the sort of goals of this episode. But I'll get into that. <laughs> I'll get Gold. into that in a moment. <laughs> (laughs) So, Yatabe has mainly been an animator, despite being the episode director. They've done uh, key animation for Little Witch Academia, uh, the TV show, and the Enchanted Parade OAV. Mm -hmm. Key animation for the first episode of Flip Flappers, which was quite good. And then some in-betweening. They have done one episode directing job before. They also did that. They directed episode two and storyboarded episode two of a television show entirely forgotten by Western fandom called Three Leaves, Three Colors from 2016. I'm sure no one listening to this show has watched it. If you have, please tweet at Laro Show and tell me what I missed.
0: Tell us if there are indeed three leaves and three
1: colors. <laughs> yes, it's a burning question. I, I, I want to know desperately. The writer's CV is actually even more sparse. Uh, one, Reno Yamazaki, and Yamazaki is credited with something called production advancement, of which I actually have no idea what this job is. Is that his self-help book? <laughs> is the what I'm getting a picture of in my head is like. So, have you seen Shurabako Shodan?
0: I can't say I have.
1: Okay, okay. So, Shirobako, for anyone who hasn't seen it, was a really beloved show from a few years ago, 2015, I believe, um, about, uh, it's an anime about the process of making anime.
0: Oh, yes, yes. I know of it, but I haven't seen it. It's very good. Worth
1: watching, for sure. Uh, The lead character in that, the first season of the show, the first core, rather, they, uh, or she, is, like, just kind of running around. Delivering envelopes with cuts in them to various animators like houses, and just kind of keeping things on track. And I don't, I can't even remember what her title is. Uh, she gets a, a more prestigious title for the second show they work on, but that's the picture of my head I get of Reno Yamazaki, production advancement for a handful of episodes of things Madaka Box, Madaka Box Abnormal, Panty and Stocking with Garter Belt. Um, just a few episodes here and there. Uh, but now this person is the episode writer for Darling and the Franks episode 7. hmm It's a Gainax connection here to trigger. And our animation director has a much more beefy CV.
0: So he actually has one.
1: Mm, yeah, this is this is a, a, a big one, right? So it's one Satoshi Yamaguchi. and Yamaguchi has done like key animation for Denu Coil. The Idol Master, which is, of course, where I think probably the director plucked him from, was the animation director for an episode of Hayate the Combat Butler, much beloved. Uh, the animation director for a few episodes of Occultic Nine, which that show, I'm struggling to remember if the animation itself was good, but the art design and the production design of that show was, was really good. Oh, also, let's see, animation director for an episode of Strike Witches a key animator for a whole bunch of things. So this is a very experienced animator getting to direct this episode uh, of Darling and the Franks, which, like, I mean, I guess it will be a nice line for their CV, but um, I'm struggling to recall any very nice bits of... Um, of animation.
0: Oh well you, you 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 know, Doc, it is the beach episode and obviously they can't afford anything but the best for the beach episode. <laughs> like the action scenes they're going on previously, all the you know, the drama, the inter character stuff, all that nah. Nah. We gave the we're getting the big guns in for this
1: one. <laughs> Ah, the the TNA animation, which was like, by the way, which was like standard for like. It's not like they raised the bar. I guess is what I mean for the beach episode. I felt like, I mean, this episode, the character animation was fine and the characters look good, but it was like of a piece with the rest of it. Is is I guess what I mean.
0: Yeah, that seems about right. I mean, there was a nice bit with Zarema getting a flap at one point and. (laughs) Also some good stuff with zero too. Oh for sure. Yes. Great
1: great stuff in in those in those cases. Um I just I don't think this is one I'm not gonna be sitting my grandkids on many saying, Let me tell you about the animation in Darling and the Friends (laughs) episode seven. The time Zorame tried to kiss Hero on the mouth. It was pretty
0: memorable and epic. You're certainly selling it right here and now (laughs) to me, never mind to your kids. But okay, let me let me get a preemptive thing out of the way here because I'm sure that Long-time listeners to streamer thoughts, worried Destro in particular, probably thinking to themselves, okay, I'm waiting for Shadz to go apocalyptic over this because we know that he is allergic to fan service. Comes out in fucking hives every time he sees it come up. And to you people, I say, that is not so. Because, <laughs> because, here's the thing about this episode, it wasn't pretending to be something else. It was honest and upfront with me pretty much from the start. I think that when it comes to fan service... I have a problem with it if it breaks what you might call an unspoken agreement.
1: <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's You haven't said anything wrong, I, my stupid brain. I'm just thinking about like you as the Jean-Jacques Rousseau of anime criticism writing about the social contract of anime with its audience.
0: Well, I do need to buy a beret at some point to put on my bald head, so that'll work. But anyway, um, let me put it this way, folks. Let's imagine that you went into a bookstore and you bought, let's say, a fantasy novel and you open up said fantasy novel and it's just entirely, entirely made up of postcards of half-naked women. Now, all the individual postcards that might be in there could be fantastic to look at for whatever reason you want to name because they're titillating, because they're well shot, because they're well lit, you name it. But at the end of the day, you bought a fantasy novel and you didn't get it. So you have every right to be annoyed. I just want to know why you got to pick on my example. All right. I'm a burgeoning fantasy author
1: trying to do sales. I'm trying to do whatever I can to push my product. Get on the shelves at Barnes and Noble. The bookstores are dying. (laughs) I need something to pull in the customers. Okay. Just, just ease
0: off. God. Well, to be fair, I suppose the giveaway would have been that Boob Witches of the West was, uh, you know, the title. (laughs) So There we go. Uh, But that's the thing. Like, you won't ever hear me complain, for example, about a pornographic magazine containing pornography. Because that's what it is. And I'm not against fan service or titillation if they're either executed properly or in, on an episode-by-episode basis or even in moments like this, the uh, entire idea of it. And the thing is, this episode does, to a small degree, get to have its cake and eat it. Because there is a little bit of stuff going on. But I also wouldn't lie to you and say that you need to actually definitely watch this episode. I mean, a lot of it is just white noise. Yeah. It's a, it's a big
1: old... Uh, what's the word? What do you call this? It's a piece of cotton candy. I don't know if the word right word is fun. They spin it up for you. It's a it's a blank of cotton candy, a huge puff of it. Yeah, and uh, it's pink and sweet and fluffy and totally not filling. You, some of you out there might <laughs> might believe I am an apologist for this show and will ride or die for anything. And it's hard to say, like, like you, I think, just mentioned, Shadon, uh, whether you can entirely skip this one. Like, we'll know kind of in retrospect, I think, looking back, um, because they do they do a few things here and there. But, yeah, I think a lot of it was largely fluff that was unnecessary. And, you know, I hinted at a theory about the production, like the fact that, you know very uh, unnotable people were like directing and writing the episode. And the fact that the episode doesn't really move much of anything forward beyond some ideas that have already been hinted at, and that they probably already had nailed down. uh, I think are it's all not a coincidence, basically. I I feel like if I'm really cynical, I'm gonna say, hey, what they did was, you know, the people with clout were like, let's give episode seven to the kitty table, and we'll we'll be over here working on stuff for for further down the road, figuring out what we're gonna do. If I'm very optimistic, I'll say it's good that people without a lot of experience got to do something on a show and got to got some valuable experience. That's always very good.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm in agreement, but I'm also a proponent of the idea that an episode. Sorry, this episode is what you might call a bustle show, and. In live action television, a bottle show is usually something done on the cheap because they don't have the budget left for the entire season. But the thing is, art often comes through adversity in my opinion. If you have limitations in place, you yeah. can often actually do better. So while indeed this episode doesn't really have much happening in terms of grand events, say for one you know, in some ways I almost feel like that this show is starting turning toward those like point and click LucasArts adventure games with <laughs> collect <locked> items. <laughs> Later <laughs> use, and you know exactly which item I'm referring to because they could not possibly have framed it any more obviously as a thing of importance. <laughs> but yes. we'll get to that. But that being said, they could have actually taken the time to do some really strong character development in this episode. And there's bits, there's like little nuggets here and there. Yeah, for- you can. Ar- I think you could argue with like
1: on if if the bits are lateral movement for the characters. Or forward movement like I
0: think I think some of it's backwards <laughs> to be honest <laughs> oh well
1: that's also yeah that's fair and I'm not opposed to like kind of deepening our understanding of character traits we already know about as you know characters don't always have to be hurtling forward down their down their chosen paths or you know making progress on their journey I mean that's not what real life is like so I don't know but when you're watching a show yeah and and there's not a ton of forward movement for really anybody i don't know it it can leave me feeling this episode i'll just say left me feeling a little empty
0: i just watched it and i just it just kind of washed over me Mm. i mean there were certainly bits of boswick that i quite liked and there were some bits of it that really irritated me because that's frank's in a nutshell at this point is the most bipolar anime i've seen in a long time but on the broad side of things eh whatever great I mean, again, to criticize Franks as I've done many times, if you want to come in here for the TNA, uh, the TNA is not that scintillating, I'm very sorry to say. With maybe one or two Zero Two moments, but that's kind of par for the course at this point.
1: Those are good moments though. Don't sleep on those moments. They're good.
0: Oh, yeah. Don't sleep on them, but they are literally just moments. Just buy, buy the doujins. Make yeah. the doujins. <laughs> yeah, just just do that, pretty much. So, Speaking of how things don't progress, I need to quickly cite this particular moment because it just made me laugh at how transparent the script is sometimes. Okay, so why might you be wondering are the gang at the beach? Well, on some level it makes sense because they've just been through a really nasty battle and they've all lived. And you know what? Let's celebrate. So why Mm. not? I I get that. That's absolutely fine. Bit of downtime, bit of R&R. That's what soldiers need. There's the beach. Why the heck not? Let's go do that. So just a little ways into the episode, not quite immediately, though, we get a flashback um, to a scene in which Zero Two and Hero meet with uh, Nana mm-hmm. and pa- and Papa and also Dr. Franks. Well, not, not Papa. That's not Papa. No, sorry. Whoever he is. Just, uh, yeah,
1: just a Mr. Crewcut soldier guy. We don't even know his name yet, I don't think.
0: <laughs> it's in the op but i never paid attention. oh is it for- i don't even know yeah all, all the characters yeah. have their names listed in the op that's how i finally learned the fat kid's name because i specifically paid attention for it this time around because i don't remember anything else about it we- i remember dr frank's though oh how could you forget although that being said the anime thinks that you might have forgotten because when they introduced us dr frank's they put a little subtitle <laughs> the- dr <"Doctor It's> like- <laughs> frank's underneath your- him. <laughs>
1: title card the little card down there that's great yeah. they they uh it's funny that they did that for him that's what they do in legend of the galactic heroes for everyone and you need to do it in the show like that because there are scores of characters literally dozens and dozens and dozens of characters so it helps in this show that is not the case and we all fucking remember dr frank's
0: yeah fucking grandpa from yeah. Mega Man legends is back again whoop whoop
1: handsy handsy with the robot jaw
0: yeah it turns out by the way that the whole beach thing is dr frank's idea so shocking on some level that creeps me out a little bit yeah you know what it does you're absolutely
1: right i wonder if what he really wants to do is you know surveil them as papa ordered it's like oh surveillance rubs hands together let's send them to the beach this will provide useful footage for me to analyze in great detail
0: is how I see it going down. Mama comes in, and then you just see Doctor Franks in a pair of swim shorts. They've got pineapples on them or some shit. <laughs> and he's got a camera in his hand and a parasol. And she's like, "Oh, wait, wait, wait. What are you, where are you going?" And he says, "I'm going down to the beach." And she says, "For what? Bird watching?" And he goes, "Yes, <laughs> bird watching." Oh, oh fuck yeah! I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But a couple of things to know about this flashback though. The fucking blonde kid, uh, Cipher Two. Or rather, the new <laughs> Cypher, because I've actually decided that Zarame is not Cypher, but he is another Final Fantasy character that I'll get to when we get to a later scene. But the other Cypher appears, in, and he's almost introduced, but then he's No, He's like, <laughs> fuck you. I'm just like, fuck's nope. sake. I'm not going to really? introduce myself. Really? Not really? now. But you know why?
1: Because this episode is not about me. I will introduce myself in my character episode. Thank you very much.
0: No, i'ma let you finish (laughs) i'ma let you finish yeah thinks he's fucking Kanye West god damn it this this is embarrassing why even have him there if he doesn't i'm talking derasively here yeah why have him there if he doesn't contribute anything this is just more of a dangling oh do you remember this guy do you remember this guy don't forget it's like dangling keys in front of a fucking dog yeah like don't put him there if he's, you're deliberately underplaying this guy and making me not care about his reveal later on, you're de- actually actively working against the script by doing this. The whole idea of narrative tension to build up. You are somehow going backwards. Uh, this is unholy.
1: I wish he would have just like shook their hands and said, Hello, I'm mysterious, and then threw down a smoke bomb.
0: That would vanished. have been better. Yes. I would have been totally alright with that. But we don't get that. He's just there. Metaphorically twirls his mush. Says, I'll be important later. Mwah. And God. then he's gone. But, that <sighs> being said, that being said, I'm going to actually give credits to this scene to the character I never thought I fucking would. But I am. Dr. Franks. Because, and I'll tell you why. So, this scene establishes now that all the paperwork's been cleared. Everything's been done in triplicate. A <laughs> uh, Hero and Zero Two are now officially partners and Yay! Stralizia mazel is top. deployed now. Yes, Mazel soft. And Stralizia is now deployed at Plantation 13. All well and good. But Franks has a warning for Hero after Zero Two has left, which is if you want to pile par- partner with her forever, don't let her consume your emotions. Ooh. Now, here's the thing, right? First off, I don't think Dr. Franks is in any real like place to start offering advice. Given, you know?
1: <laughs> I've met you twice, let me tell you something cryptic. <laughs> that's that's just who I am.
0: <laughs> also, given the fact that he seems to treat women's asses as like, you know, dogs treat squeaky toys, but anyway. Yeah, let's take you seriously. <laughs> yeah, fuck off, Fox Franks. But that being said, I actually took a reading into this that I think was that he, Zero Two's not going to literally devour his emotions in the same way that she has devoured people otherwise, but rather, rather, I think that Dr. Frank's warning was to be careful how attached he gets to Zero Two, to not solely, like, you know, devote himself to her entirely, 100%, to allow there to be other people in his life, perhaps. Hmm. I think that that's the intent behind it. That it's more like you know, it's trying as a as a warning to help try and cultivate a healthy relationship because you can be too into someone.
1: Well, and especially in a like combat unit, you know that you're meant to. And of course, this is anime, but theoretically, you're meant to live and die as a team. And yep. you you gotta you gotta stay. Uh, what's the word? I'm looking for? You have to cultivate relationships with your with your teammates and be on a positive good wavelengths with them and and have understanding between yourselves if you're isolated that's just not going to happen as much so yeah that that, that's uh that's a good reading of his uh of his utterance
0: yeah it's not a literal thing she's not going to literally devour it but i think that it is a warning you know that he needs to be mindful of other people which he's not still Mm. he sort of is
1: i mean we'll get there you've You've already d- just burned the outline. You've ta- you've taken it and burned it, uh, set it on fire, stomped on it, but I'm going to retrieve it. I'm going to dust it off, I'm going to blow out the flame, and we're going to do this sequentially.
0: Yes, we will. Uh, <sighs> we What we did neglect to mention actually as well is that there's also a scene with the Grand Council of Councilness. You know, those uh, pompous robe guys at
1: Mm-hmm. Ro- robo, Robo-bishops.
0: Yeah. And I got a real bad whiff of, like, future events here, because they-, they said, oh, maybe the boy will finally take the girls to the Grand Crevasse. And I'm like, oh, god.
1: <laughs> ah, the Grand Crevasse. All right, okay. <clears throat> Let's start from the top here. Beach episode! Whoop whoop! Because you didn't already know that. We talked about why they're going to the beach... Let's see, Hero and Zero Two are official. Goro is happy that he believes that the rumors about Zero Two have been proven false. And Ichigo, despite being uh still a little mistrustful of Zero Two, who, by the way, is if you look on the periodic table, oxygen.
0: Oh, Honestly, it's everything. It's every metaphor, anything. Every, every. <laughs> it's every metaphor, every image, everything. It's Jesus fuck. Oh, speaking of speaking of things, uh, I learned also that Ichigo's name is actually strawberry in Japanese. Oh, okay, nice, nice. I thought it was the number, but it's both apparently. Oh, good. Okay,
1: yes. We don't know how Japanese works. <laughs> I don't know what
0: relevance that has to anything, but hey, there you go. She's a strawberry.
1: She is, and that strawberry is happy for for her her love that he is happy, mm. which is which is you know painful and nice to see.
0: I don't think that plot point's over, to be honest. Oh,
1: oh, for sure not. Nope, nope. Robo bishops refer to uh, hero, aka 016, as failure of a special specimen when they talk about him bringing zero to who they keep referring to as our girl, which feels icky he's gonna bring her to the grand crevice uh yeah he's a failure of a specimen which is interesting Mm -hmm. and they say hey we're gonna keep an eye on plantation 13 we've talked about dr franks and the mysterious blonde boy okay so after that there's i don't know if i can't remember if it's in the same scene or in the scene after but uh I, i i believe it's it's after because it prompts the flashback, or it's cut between whatever. Um Zero two is like gushing upon hero, saying, "You are my wings. I got here because of you. We'll always be together, right?"
0: Oh, when she said that, when she said that, I was just there, like, like if I had a tarot deck, if I had a tarot deck, <laughs> death, death,
1: death. How many, oh, de- oh. how many death flags this episode were, were triggered? I, so many. I feel like.
0: I mean, I—the life expects to see out of these people. If this was a stock market, everyone would be selling. Yes,
1: it's going down, 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 down. It's a
0: fucking fire sale, mate.
1: And hero says, you know, yes, uh, but not before remembering uh, the good doctor, bad doctors, cryptic words. And then I have in my notes simply the kiss defined. Ah, <sighs> uh, okay, right. A kiss right. is a very special thing. That two people share, in this universe, a man and a woman, share uh, as a, like, sign of love between those two people, that they care about each other, and they're special to each other, and it's, that's what it is. And in this very hilarious universe that has made the physical functions Positions and performance of sex of sex acts in, into robot piloting and has woven the terminology throughout its combat, somehow the the foreplay before all that, the kiss,
0: has taken on a heightened significance. Mm-hmm. and it's very funny to me uh... Uh, you know what's funny to me that Zorabe says in this episode, I have never heard the word kiss before
1: well <coughs> oh, that's not no that's um that's uh the other guy
0: is it not sorry me? yeah
1: yeah well okay
0: one of these one of these Burks, one of them yeah, berks <laughs> has not heard this phrase before they were in a briefing in which the said that fucking word was I used to describe them.
1: <coughs> i know that that wasn't i feel like that that's not worded quite right this I, script I... is
0: a first draft
1: <laughs> it's as simple as that well look I, f- I i really do think that um god i don't want to throw anyone under the bus do it but i i feel like with a little bit of nuance it's it's easy to make sense of this part because i think what obviously he doesn't mean is i've never heard the word before because like you said the plantations just kissed where the and they used the word kiss so they've heard the word but <clears throat> they've never heard they're unfamiliar with this specific usage between two human yes, beings yes. and the mouth-to-mouth contact. So, yeah, who, who's to say if it's the script or the translation or or what? But, um, but yeah, I felt like that part could have used some more massaging.
0: It, yeah, it needed a revision. This is why I think this script is a first. It, in fact, so much of Frank's smacks of a first draft,
1: darling. In the first drafts,
0: kss. yeah. <laughs> Somehow drafts we're going to spell first.
1: drafts with an X.
0: <laughs> drafts. Yeah, that would surprise me. I mean, do you recall how I said in episode two that apparently the show was suffering from production problems? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It actually would surprise me if it turned out that these production problems were exacerbated by the scripts being brushed out. Hmm. Because you kind of need those in place firstly to actually get anything underway. Oh, yeah. For and sure. that would also explain why certain things don't seem to work when they would if they were just revised a little bit.
1: That's another reason why I think that there's credence in this episode is, to use a sports analogy, like a them punting, right? They're kicking the can down the road a little bit and saying like... Giving
0: themselves some brevy right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, like let's make this episode 80% whatever and 20% like real story content, like new stuff. And then that yeah. way it'll give us some breathing room, as you say. It's Again, I don't know that for a fact, but um, looking at a few sort of factors uh i think it will be a reasonable conclusion to draw
0: indeed and now i want to also talk about something else um there's not really a point in which i can discuss this because it's not brought up in the episode so i think that now that we brought the kissing thing let's bring up something else okay so let's let's discuss scars the lion king has the best one yes absolutely
1: and they he needs to sing his fucking song in the remake god damn it what is the matter what... John Favreau, please, come on. Come on.
0: By the way, guys, uh, guys and girls listening at home, if you've not already done so, look up that song, uh, Be Prepared, in German. <laughs> because it's incredible. Watching that clip with the with Germans singing over it, it's basically Nazis. It's absolutely hilarious. Wow. No, really, you've got the hyenas marching with Scar on, like, the top of that plinth. Jeez. Looking down on him, and it really is just well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so scars. Now, generally speaking, I'm actually quite fond of um, the idea of in narratives of using scars and injuries to show that events matter. Now, I'm not saying that that necessarily needs to be done with every character who's involved in you know a fight, be it a small or a large fight. I don't need I don't need all one every character to be mauled, but I think that when appropriate having an injury that leaves a mark on you, small or large, is worthwhile, because it, you know, events have consequences, and it will always be a reminder when you look at that, that that happened to you. And there are examples of this in plenty of modern fiction, and indeed in video games. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 3, 4, and 5 all use scars in some way or another to show the events had consequences and mattered, uh, 5 in particular. Um, The Lord of the Rings, Frodo has the scar from the stab, and that, of course, is something he reflects on once or twice and even actually outright causes him severe pain at various points. And get we're gaining more Lord of the Rings references here. So, scars can have a, a very useful narrative function for characters. And in the case here, we mentioned that previously Hero's techno cancer is now gone. It's cured itself through magic. Whatever.
1: Pure human will actualized. No. Set to the song uh, Don't Lose Your Way from Kill to Kill. Oh, f- if you play that song and punch something, your techno cancer would also disappear. I'm just telling you.
0: <sighs> Honestly, the best, the that cure that cure of the techno cancer was less plausible than what happened in Psychic Wars. <laughs> <laughs> the flower punch How cancer. In that, one. that made more fucking sense. How dare you. <gasps> No, I do dare. Okay, but here's my point, right? Now that that's happened though, because of course all the boys are only in swim trunks, we get to see that Hero now does have quite a large scar over his, you know, chest. On the one hand, I really like this because it shows that although the episode previous to this one went out of its way to make the techno-cancer an utter irrelevance, in my opinion, it does matter. It is something that's going to stick with Hero for the rest of his life now. Every time that he gets changed, he's gonna see that. It's gonna remind him of the events that happened. So it shows that those events were important. And indeed, Zero Two at one point, you know, she does the whole like, you know, tracing over his chest thing, but points specifically at that. And it then ties back to her. Every time he sees that, it's gonna be reminded of her. How many times in anime do
1: you see characters touch each other? Not many from Not often. Way. And I mean certainly not that. You know, you see like maybe some hand holding. Some cautious hand holding. Perhaps someone touches lightly someone's cheek or like wipes a tear away. Like this, um, every time it happens, it's happened at several times, like it sort of produces a jolt. You mean because it's just not used to seeing a character like so intimate with another on screen in the anime. It's really
0: neat. No, I, I agree. And I like that like I say, I like the inclusion of the scar for that reason that mm-hmm. it matters. The events did matter. And it ties back to what Frank said and also with what um, Zero Two said. You know, we're going to be together forever. But, zero, you know, at what cost? Because that's already nearly killed him. What else is going to happen as a result of this? So there's a lot of nice things to take away from the fact that that's there. And I like its inclusion. However, because Frank's, the show, can't seem to, you know, have a good thing without somehow fucking it up. I realized something when I noticed this. Why do none of the guys, with the exception of Goro, notice this scar and go, what the fuck is that?
1: Perhaps they've never been treated to the sight of Hiro being
0: shirtless. (sighs) (laughs) I'm going to swap out my soy milk for whiskey, just back in a minute. No,
1: they, I, listen, it it would be nice if, you know, even, even if you've never seen someone shirtless, if you see someone with a giant, you know, looked like they took a sledgehammer to the chest... And you're close friends with them as hero, you know, they're, they're teammates. And before that, they're buddies. They're, they're buddies. You know, you might ask, like, hey, what happened there?
0: Well, the thing is, Doc, they have boys group bathing. This has been established. Oh, yeah, that's right. They do. So they must at some point have seen each other shirtless. Yeah, it would have been, it would have been a new thing. That's, uh, yeah. Now, Goro not pointing this out, I get, because he already knew about it. And obviously, he's not going to reveal to everyone, oh, yeah, I knew that Hero possibly <gasps> could have died. He's yes. not going to reveal that. I mean, he's gonna keep his fucking mouth shut now, prick. But anyway, the other guys don't, despite seeing this, make mention of it all. Nor do the girls. The girls would like the girls wouldn't even have that pretext of knowing like he didn't have it before. But wouldn't like I would have thought each go would have seen that and be like, Jesus, hero, was that a fucking body mod up? God, really? Mm-hmm. Wrong? Did you try to get a nipple ring the size of a doorknob? What the fuck? but no nothing it doesn't like the only people who seemingly can see this scar are zero two and the audience and i'm just like for fuck's sake guys
1: yeah i i'm gonna you know this is the coward's way out but i'm just gonna throw my hands and say perhaps it's a cultural difference where the sort of social mores and kind of what's the word i'm looking for the the standard like group dynamics in those situations where you that might not be something you would ask i have no idea if that's true no fucking idea but maybe that's like a trapdoor excuse but they someone should have asked i mean or at least like be shown giving him the side eye you know what i mean like what the fuck is that thing
0: why even have it in there then in the first place if it's not going to be, you know, made use of in that way? Oh, yeah. Again, first draft. First, first draft syndrome, it really comes across as that. Uh-huh,
1: yeah. That that, that would be, that connection should have been made, yeah. they. I, I I bet that would be something that they'd like to do over again.
0: Wouldn't surprise me. Anyway, let's move on.
1: To the most shippable couple. This is the known shippable right here. Ichigo and Ikuno. They oh, they get to have their little moment under the umbrella. It's so sweet. Ichigo's yeah. gonna gonna stay with her, and then she says, "Hey, I've got this book. Go play. It's no big deal." Are you sure? Yeah, go ahead. And they share a nice, warm, tender smile. Uh, and then fucking asshole supreme Mitsuru walks up, and whoo, it gets cold. <laughs> I got a little chill in the air because things between those two. Mitsuo, uh mitsuru and ikuno they are frosty oh yeah yes man no love lost between those those still partners still compatible partners and they have a very terse cold exchange in which you know that that's i guess the time when he's like off screen is saying let's go explore this neat place which we'll get to and then we have the whole like the kiss business which we talked about like the boys pulling Hero aside, who was having a nice moment with zero two They cut blocks it. They did. They were like, "What's a kiss, bro?" Oh man, you beat us to it. Oh no, I need to experience this. Let me kiss you. That was pretty funny.
0: That was amusing. Also, because Zara Bay's animations were really good in this bit as well.
1: I did. Yes, I enjoyed that. That was nice. Good. Uh, good on you, Yamaguchi, for for this part. For the directing this this part well. So the cave and the hidden path. Uh, Mitsuru finds uh, this sort of dark soulsian <laughs> hidden path into a ruined city. Uh, but while they are walking, before they dis- discover that the path in fact leads to a, to a, a small populated a previously populated area, they go through a cave and they walk through the kind of a, a wood a gla- a, a, What is I don't know, they walk through the woods. Um, and There's a really nice moment between Goro and Hiro where Goro is like, hey, you guys, you and Zero Two, like, you're different than the rest of us partnerships. Like, is there a kind of relationship that is beyond even being partners? Like, you guys talk about love. Like, what is that? Like,
0: what is love?
1: Yeah, baby, baby don't don't hurt. Yeah, cue the hat away. Don't me. Yeah. Classic, awful, awful Saturday Night Live sketch that if you go back and watch it now, if you laughed at it when you were a kid and you go back and watch it now, you will be horrified. So perhaps <laughs> just don't do that. So so yeah, he. I, I thought this was interesting that he said like, if love is what you guys have, like, I don't know Maybe that's not what Ichigo and I have Being with her is fun, but it also hurts sometimes And I just wanted to be like Goro, man, come here It's love, it is love Because love does hurt sometimes Aww. And you're a sweet Observant kid Although Ichigo clearly doesn't love him
0: Nope Even though I, I've actually come to the conclusion, by the way that If we're going to make cross comparisons Goro is the uh, Micharu
1: Ah that means he did.
0: <laughs> oh, it wouldn't surprise me. It really wouldn't. I mean, we're going to have a Deadpool going on all these cats <laughs> at some point. We need, to,
1: we need to start a suicide pool uh, every week. <laughs> just, just who dies first. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's what... Uh, and you, you pick. Yeah. Everyone has to pick. Oh, God. That would be incredible. We got to figure out a way
0: to make this happen. <laughs> so, the Ruins... This was the highlight of this episode for me. And no, it's not because of the fact there's no fan service in it. Shut up. It's um, the
1: teeny yeah. tiny bit of meat on the small chicken wing.
0: Yeah, it is the uh, chicken straw, you know, the beef jerky. <laughs> but, but I was watching this as they found this uh, little ruined village place. First off, I really like the music that kicks here. Again, the music in this show is mm. always good. It really solved the mystery and mood of this. I, I thought it was fantastic. Two, as they had these like panning shots of various like ruined structures, like everything's overgrown with vegetation, for example, uh, buildings have collapsed or or caved in over time. I thought to myself, what is this reminding me of? I'm having something in the back of my head that I've seen before that this is familiar to, and I actually had to look it up before we started recording this podcast, and it was pictures that I've seen taken in I think it was the past two years of the area around the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant, which uh, mm-hmm. had a Chernobyl-like incident back in 2011 when the tsunami hit. Right. And I can't obviously say for certain if they used pictures from that as reference material, but that's what it struck me as, and I, it felt quite powerful looking at that, Like that this place seems to have just literally been packed up and abandoned in a hurry. We've got cars and buses in there. Um, there's a book, which we'll get to in a the moment, There's just literally been left on the floor whatever happened to this place it was abandoned super fast and it really sold like this idea to me like that there's i mean take for example the rest of the world that we've seen most of it seems to be desert yes but this place is verdant it's overgrown with nature and i'm thinking to myself okay let's put some puzzle pieces together here why is this this way and the rest of the world is mostly just sand and dust where did the ocean come from (laughs) where indeed where indeed because you might note, for example, that in the plantations, they have an artificial environment. Uh, Zero Two has mentioned a number of times how she wants to swim in a real ocean. Uh, mm-hmm. Hero has mentioned something about flying out in the open air. So how has the environment ended up this way? I have a theory. I have a theory, a mad theory, if you will, but a theory nonetheless. Okay. So let me pitch this here. This could be completely off base. First off, the Claxosaurs are not a natural or alien enemy. They are a man-made creation. Secondly, they are the man-made creation of an opposing force in a war between whoever the plantations were but are now. And this, we'll call them this other faction. And that faction lost, but in doing so, the Klaxosaurs have gone out of control. And the reason that the two war, the war was happening, in my opinion, this is, again, wild fan theory, so take this with a gigantic amount of salt here, folks. But my theory is that This whole magma energy thing that they've been thinking of has actually drained the planet dry. It's Mako energy from Final Fantasy VII. After all, the plantations have to keep moving around to drill this stuff, and they've just arrived at a fairly verdant area. That might explain why the place is, you know, dried up elsewhere, because that's natural resource exploitation. And so the the Klaxosaurs are just the remaining, like, autonomous weapons that have um, not yet been dealt with from this after effects of this war that's left most of the planet in ruins. And the Grand Crevasse that was mentioned before is, I would argue, probably their primary nest. That would at least make sense to me. That's a wild theory. And the problem with Mm. that theory is that apart from it just being a theory, it doesn't tie in any way into the character motivations, whereas it really should do. Apart from, of course, the fact that if that's true, they've been lied to. But at this point, the fact that they're not being told the told truth is patently obvious. We're just just trying to put the pieces together now. And the problem with this approach for me is that I'm not, generally speaking, all that fond of mystery for mystery's sake. I Mm -hmm. want there to be a bit more meat with character stuff. Or if you are really good at it, you tie the two together. So, I mean, I think back to Frontier again. Unfortunately, I have to keep making this comparison. But I think back to Ranker. I think back to myself, okay... We've got the whole thing about who the Vardra are, where do they come from, what do they want, what do they do, and then we've got Ranka's character arc of how she decides that she has to go off on her own, leave her you know, bow behind, leave her affection for Alto, try and figure out who she is, and also unravel the Vardra mystery. The two weave together. The shitty brother. <laughs> well, he was, a, he was a mind-controlled cyborg, so I, can <laughs> That's him, true. I can give him some, some space for that. Hopefully his
1: fashion him... sense was also a result of mind control.
0: I would say he, I would say it was, but absolutely. <laughs> I'm actually going to bring Rancor up again later when we discuss the concepts of love triangles, because right. I think that needs to be discussed in context of France, sure. because, oh boy. Okay,
1: you know, this part, especially when the music kicked in, as you say, it really made me think of, very strongly, an anime, another anime that I had been thinking of off and on while watching this... <clears throat> that I think you would really like called Shinsekai Yorai or uh, From the New World in English. So Mm -hmm. Shinsekai Yorai is a dystopia. It is one of those like human society has been radically reformed in the wake of some kind of terrible events and like the kids are living under state-imposed like lies and delusions. Mm -hmm. And in about episode five similarly they are wandering wandering around in the woods these kids and they sort of discover an old robot Mm -hmm. and the robot basically info dumps just barfs out all the truth about the world onto them so there's no more of this kicking the mystery can down the road like they sort of learn the most of the truth about their world and then the rest of the show is them dealing with that and you know, at some point, like, the the show starts out and they're, like, primary school kids and then they're high school kids later on and, you know, older teenagers. And then by the end, those that remain are adults. It's it's really good. It does uh, world building and mystery, like, a bazillion times better than Frank's.
0: Yeah. I'm reminded of a novel, um, specifically Arthur C. Clarke's The City and the Stars, which was of a city in which all the people who lived inside it believed... The way a certain way things were, uh, it turns out it's not the case. Uh, quite a good uh, classic sci-fi novel, by the way. Um, no claxosaurs in that, I'm afraid, and no giant robots. I'm sorry, sorry to say, but it's quite good. But yeah, I did quite like this whole sequence of them exploring the place and just making yeah. observations. Um, <clears> one <throat> particular observation that's well, it's the loaded, it's the smoking gun um, <laughs> of a fairy that I postulated previously, and I think other people have as well. Um, which is that Kokoro, um wanders into a pharmacy and in wandering into this pharmacy she looks around and there's a book on the floor. So she picks up this book, it's completely covered in dust and she dusts off the book and it says, uh, preparing for your first childbirth, how to look after your baby or something to that effect. Um, she's at this point saved by through as a, you know, a poltergeist knocks over a <laughs> chest of drawers on top of her. I don't know how that happened but hey whatever, it happened. And the closing shot of this is a close up of the book as she's holding on to it. Uh, she also says "baby?" question mark like she doesn't know what a baby is. Yep. So, well, you can make. I don't even need to tell you the inferences you can make from that.
1: <laughs> you know, Kokoro picks it up uh, the the book about um about motherhood and, and babies, and of course, she of course is depicted later as having a motherly sort of attitude in general, but specifically toward um. Miku, Zorbe's yes. partner. There's a kind of a mother-daughter relationship happening there. Yep. Which I And, you know, there's some dots connected. And I, I wonder what this portends for her character, you know. Mystery. Yeah. Death flags. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just wondering what will happen if one of the adults discovers that book. Oh, boy. Confiscation is going to happen, but I, what we're most telling is how they react. So,
1: yeah, they don't know what babies are, and there are no adults on their on their plantation. And Zorome, in particular is fixated on this idea. Like he says that the ruined cities are quote, nothing like the cities the adults live in. And mm-hmm. he later on gives a fiery speech about how great it is to be useful to the adults.
0: And to Papa. Yeah. Praise Papa.
1: That they will, they're guarding them. They're taking care of them. They're helping them retain their lifestyle. The the, and so, this utility will allow them to one day become adults, which is, like, for him, the ultimate honor and prestigious prize, which is, like, incredibly sad to me. That you have yeah. this this kid who is fixated on, A, growing up and becoming an adult, and B, utility. Like, the highest goal you can aspire to is to be useful. Tremendously sad
0: to me. Basically, citizenship from Starship Troopers, pretty much. And... I, th- like there's two things I have to say to that first off is that Zorame's not got the bigger picture in mind which is that well once he's an adult then what? Great you cross the finish line now what are you gonna do? Well
1: he's a kid you know he's not yeah
0: But yeah but he's not being given any education or any idea of what that's like Yeah That's being deliberately withheld from him
1: Yeah I mean it's like a mythic you know it's, yes. it's sort of like what you think about like it's when a lot of people say, like and then we'll go to heaven or we'll be in heaven together and then what? Well there is no and then what? Like that's the stopping point for the mind—that is the like—that's the aspiration or or the ultimate kind of reward. And there's no need to think beyond there. It seems like that's what adulthood might be for Zorame.
0: Indeed. And you remember before how I said that I had changed my opinion on which character Zorame uh, is as far as Final Fantasy. Oh yes, yes, go? yes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He's not Cipher. He's Wacker from Final Fantasy X. <laughs> Zorame though is all boasting about it though, and that's the that. And that's the thing about Wacker is that he, of course, in the end, does receive quite severe wake-up call to the fact that his religion is a lie. He's like the last one who comes around to the idea that it's all a complete falsehood. Poor Wacker. Wacker was not a great character, but, then, but Final Fantasy review coming later on, next, whatever our next podcast is, whatever. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that being said, like I can, when he said, as his closing line, I can't, like, we'll become adults, I'm like, sorry, mate. Zorame, it, it ain't gonna happen, mate. Mm-hmm. It, it ain't gonna fucking happen. Death flags the whole- <laughs> Like, gonna, you gotta, like This is gonna be some Logan's Run shit, but they're gonna have the age halved. <laughs> like, you are literally gonna be turned into Soylent Green. <laughs> That's it. Like, the amount oh, of references man. I could make here, but, like, they are... But none of this is gonna bear out for them. No. Not one bit of it. It's all just gonna go really badly wrong.
1: They have to have their... Their goals and dreams to get them through the night.
0: I suppose, if nothing else, it's actually nice that this episode exists. If nothing else, they can have some fun before what I expect to be, well, everything going really badly, really fast. A giant
1: fist descending from the heavens <laughs> to smush them. This is all happening, by the way, at a barbecue, which takes place after a quick scene I wanted to briefly talk about, which I can't get enough of this, and maybe this is time to talk about love triangles, but the Ichigo versus Zero Two Rivalry continues oh. because she she being ichigo sees a poster of a boy and a girl kissing i guess she's looking through like a bookshop window or something and uh and she's wondering about you know kisu and then zero two sort of spins and dances up and it's like me and darling have kissed me and darling have kissed what have you done have you shared it for realsies hmm. and like is very much Playful yet also kind of mean to little Ichigo.
0: Oh, <laughs> you you know what's kind of ironic. Like Zero Two is teasing her, but at the same time, I get the impression that she knows that something must have happened or like between them. Because I know full well why Ichigo didn't outright say, "Oh yeah, I did kiss Hero Because well, let's put how many of them went there and how many would be coming back minus one. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. she'd have been she'd have been you know a red stain on the floor. So there's that. I do have to say though I just I just continue to feel bad for each girl not yeah. just be not just because of the fact that like this keeps happening because the narrative seems to have nothing else it wants to do with her but just to dump on her
1: I was afraid of this of, of that possibility um I don't know I mean I, I feel like this episode walks walks a fine line and she's not I mean let's let's be real though I I think if if anyone is expecting her to end up with Hiro like that's never going to happen right?
0: Nope. So she's not nope. gonna
1: grab she's not gonna grab that brass ring so nope. We you have to aim your sights a little lower in terms of her character getting to shine yeah. and I think she, you know the end of the episode is good stuff for her and the reason Zero Two feels that she has to come up and do this is because she knows each goes a threat she knows each goes a threat to what she has between her and her darling and I don't know how like, you know polyamory works in this world Like, who knows? Hero could have a harem by the end.
0: Oh, a a Franks with two slots for the girls, and he has a handle on one and a handle on the other. Oh, fuck me. No, I'm not. (laughs) Three Okay, let's talk about love triangles. Now, generally speaking, I am okay with love triangles if they accomplish one of two things, or both even. Well, at least one of these two. First off, that the love triangle in some way drives or motivates the characters in ways not related to the actual romance itself. This is again the Rancor example that I am so fond of bringing up because it's such a textbook gold standard of how you do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or two, that the love triangle itself is a compelling competition. That there's actual genuine who who's who's it going to be? Who right. you know. Franks' Love Triangle fits none of these criteria. At least not as it stands. Because Ichigo does not have anything going on as a character outside of how she feels about a Hero. And you might say, well, what about her stumbling as a leader? And again, I point out, that's because of Hero. It's not because of herself, you know, struggling to make do or rise to the occasion. It's all about Hero messing with her head. Or rather, her feelings messing with her. And two. It's not a compelling, you know, competition because. <laughs> Did you see episode two? Have you seen everything that's happened since then? I mean, I'm surprised Zero Two even actually bothers. Unless that is perhaps maybe a more of a reflection on Zero Two having a, just a little bit of paranoia that you might not expect. You know, mm-hmm. being overly clingy, perhaps. It's not unheard of. But that's a character trait that Zero Two gets, not Ichigo. So this love triangle is in service of absolutely nothing. And, okay, you might be thinking, let me just throw it out there now, and this is a mild spoiler for when we eventually podcast about it, but you think I'm, like, all in on Macross about this? Uh, Macross <laughs> Delta's love triangle is fucking terrible. So, trust me, I'm not being biased here. I'm just going by these standards that I've thought about when it comes to how to create a compelling love triangle. Also, Macross 7's love triangle sucks. Well, there you go, it's- folks. It's barely there, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, Macross Deltas love triangle as well. If you take a free, you know, a three legged stool and saw one of them off, does the stool still stand up? Of course it fucking don't. <laughs> and if you've watched Delta, you know exactly why I'm referring to, People we'll <laughs> get signed a different podcast. Okay. Uh barbe- the Barbecue,
1: right? Um it has a few compelling parts to it, I think. So Goro offers the olive branch in the form of a st- stick of barbecued like corn and vegetable. To Zero Two, basically his way of saying like, you're one of us now, like, sorry, we were mean and weren't cool. We thought you were going to kill Hero, but you're a good hang. So have this delicious corn and be our friend. Ah, yes. And that was nice. And Zero Two goes out for a swim. Yes. In the evening and basically stays in the water by herself for a really long time. Which can I just say, Hero? You dumbass! What the fuck is the matter with you, <laughs> dude?
0: Oh, he's uh... just a kid,
1: though. Anyway, he doesn't understand. He doesn't know what he wants. Whatever, uh, idiot, fucking idiot. Um, but he gets to talk with his buddies, and they do talk about the Klaxosaurs. Hero, like, says that basically wonders. If the klaxis would even be a problem if humanity wasn't mining this magma energy. Hmm. Hmm. So, but of course, Mitsuru stands up and says, like, no, like, it, it seems like he believes that they appeared before that. And that the part of the reason, if not the entire reason, that humanity mines this energy is to fight them. The, the, this sort of sets up a pretty standard, like, environmentalist, like, man versus nature sort of framework. Um, Meiko
0: Energy, again?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That we don't know how much of this is true, you know, if Hiro is right or if Mitsuru is right, but this is put out there, right? Uh And then you have, of course, Zorame talking uh, about utility, which we've discussed. But he also throws out the word Nakama, which... Brought a, you know, I mean, I'm not gonna say this show made me get misty, but it was a nice, like, oh, this is sweet. Like the 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 yipping dog, the the little dachshund biting at the heels of Hero <laughs> earlier, like has basically fully accepted him and said, "What did I say something weird?" He's our Nakama, like we are Nakama. We are we are family. We are te- we're a team. We're together. We're united, and everybody smiles at each other. You know. Each go stands up and gives the formal, like, as a leader, I welcome you and O2 to our team. Uh, ah, I'm ah. going to work your ass off, so get ready, chum. And everybody has a laugh.
0: <laughs> it needs to be said, though. Would she have made that speech if Zero Two was there?
1: It's a fair question. Uh, every Everyone's getting along quite well uh, in her absence.
0: Zero Two has gone out to swim on her own, and now he chose making that speech, and I'm thinking you can say all you want that Zero Two's a part of the team, but her actions, and to some extent, your own, don't mirror that. After all, Zero Two does not interact with any of the other kids really at all in this entire Beach episode. She is still the outsider. Yeah. And yeah, I she, like that. She,
1: I do too. And like you said, Ichigo still has misgivings, you know, because of course they, they had a, conf- a bit of a confrontation teasing, of mm. course, in in the ruined city. But yeah, uh, it's it, this is all really interesting. Like, they, I think that they could get to a place where they do coexist with an aloof team member. You know that that's just the nature of some workplaces, and and people get the jobs done just fine. But I don't know. Be, well, because I think it's pretty clear that Zero Two wants to monopolize all of Hiro's attention.
0: Indeed, Go, and Frank's warning again.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, she like at one point looked longingly i feel like or at least there was a touch of longing in her look over to the fire with everyone laughing and talking and she's out there swimming in the cold water by herself and they are around the warm fire and friendship yada yada it's very sort of on the nose but still effective i think yeah demonstrating the relationships and and where everybody kind of stands in relation to each other indeed then we have of course a lovely walk that Ichigo and Hiro share, and I was dead surprised that they got to have this moment. I thought that the rustling that Ichigo heard as she sort of roused herself from sleep was Zero Two going to snuggle with Hiro or something. I was so sure, but no, Hero got to walk with Ichigo, and I guess Zero Two was still hanging out in the water, <laughs>
0: Oh no, her horns were just sticking up off the water, so it swims towards <laughs> like a shark. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the jaws thing. <laughs> <dun. laughs> well, okay, this scene again is another case of here's some good stuff and here's some stupid stuff. Good stuff. Um, when they walk, each ghost starts walking behind and matching Hiro's footsteps. Ah, yes. Which is really cute, and I like that, but it also shows her weakness that she's following. Not he literally looks like she's caught in his shadow, she's caught in his wake. She can't help but be where he is or follow where he goes. She's the leader, but she's the one, you know, stepping behind him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's indicative of her whole get up with him, basically, her whole hang up. Yeah. Also, uh, this might be one of those blind spots you mentioned, but one of the things that does happen here is that they mention the stars. The stars are out, and this is all very pretty and nice. And... Uh, Hero points out that that's the constellation of Ryan, which is a real constellation. And the info you can take away with this is, this is Earth. Now, you might think, well, of course it is. <laughs> but we didn't really have any confirmation of that prior to now, and I always tend to just want to make, you know, think to myself, is that necessarily true or not? Right. So, that's that confirmed, at least. Yeah. But then Hero's a douchebag in this scene as well, because <laughs> uh, I can't, he can't help it. He can't, like, can people just? Do people just not want to hear each show talk? Do they just want to say no, no, no? Shut up! Shut up! Do they want to do Kanye West on it constantly? Mm-hmm. The poor fucking girl <laughs> is pouring her heart out to him, and he's goes, oh, "Look, going through its stop. Like, oh, shut the fuck up! Let the fucking woman talk! You absolute ass gobbler. Just fuck off! I don't uh, believe this fucking show, I swear. It's so comical.
1: Oh boy. This is like so standard as well for for shonen romance
0: stories. <laughs> it's the shit to happen. Oh, Honestly, the only way this would have been dubber is if suddenly one one of the guys just came out of nowhere, threw a frisbee, and it cold cocks on the back of the head.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Were you saying something? Uh, i'll start again sorry <laughs> no obvious... no no i'm the, that's the joke <laughs> and,
0: oh oh sorry i didn't get that uh, my apologies oh uh,
1: it yeah i mean as standard as it is it's still like aggravating uh when you're invested in some characters and oh uh, another thing i wanted to point out in addition to the two sets of footprints becoming one. Was they made a point to show the shore, uh, or rather the the tide coming onto the shore and eroding those footprints?
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and I don't know. This could just be them wanting to show, like, let me show a scene, and it doesn't mean anything. Uh, but I don't know. I think you have a license to read into that and be like, well, what does this actually? Does this mean that
0: like the scar, or the kissing? Right. Right.
1: Correct. Uh, is this just a thing we're doing to tease you and not really follow through on, or does this mean like that the memories uh, that they have together are going to be eroded over time, or that um, that hero is not going to like make a lasting impact, you know, or or what? Um, well, I guess we can we can see looking back if it if it holds any extra meaning, but I thought it was um, it felt intentional that shot much as the footprint thing felt intentional
0: yeah a lot i think and i think that a lot of what happens in franks in general is meant to feel intentional but the point is that this show has already so utterly bamboozled itself and done itself in with not delivering on what it has set up that i now can't truly buy into any setups that happen I know. Shading. And I know and that's kind of that's actually really fatal for a show to in my opinion mm-hmm. i mean the book for example the book will come back up. I'm fairly confident that you can't just literally have them forget about that. <laughs> they spent so much time on drawing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like set up and payoff. That's one of Frank's biggest problems. Here's a setup for something, and maybe I was reading too much into what episode 5 would deliver. I'm not or episode 5 I promise will be delivered later. Maybe that's true. But in that case, you need to re-watch or re- or at least proofread the scripts. Just make absolutely certain the way things come across. And then, you know, properly deliver it. Like, don't pad stuff out that doesn't need to be there. Like, if Goro learning of heroes techno-cancer was not going to pan out into anything, why is it in the script? <laughs> and that applies to so much. I don't know. So, all in all, in all we learned tidbits. We learned mm-hmm. bullet point. points. Th- we learned bullet points in this episode, really, to be honest. Yeah. That's all I really have to
1: say on it. I think... There is an interesting part in which Nana and mysterious crew cut guy, who we don't know, the, the other officer, are riding up an escalator. Oh, the giant is, escalators again! Isn't the non animated escalator. It looks like they're just sitting still. The,
0: fu- but, the fuck is the point of that actual
1: hall? I know.
0: <laughs> it's just giant escalators. It's a fucking nothing.
1: but they're they're so they're taking one of these trips and. um He's so talking about uh, talking about hero and zero two, and he says like sometimes you have to be introduced to uh, to external factors to to oh, different variables, variables yeah. foreign elements, yeah, in order to adapt. And I'm fairly certain he wasn't talking about their trip to the beach, but I believe that that actually reflects Doctor Frank's intention. I think. It was his idea to let them come to the beach, not to have them relax. But I think the fact that like this group is under special care and special observation, like by said by like the Mecca bishops and Doctor Franks has taken this <laughs> Doctor Franks has taken a special interest, and so I think for whatever his reasons are, like he he knew that that stuff was there, right the the ruined village i believe the, the ruined city and i think he wanted them to get a taste of all that to to start on their journey towards finding out the truth of things now why he wants that like if it's good or bad that he has in mind for the kids like who knows it's but, a mystery but i think i think that that's part of it yeah i think that he wanted to introduce foreign elements in order to continue to have them adapt
0: could be if I had to say one thing, though, is that if this show wants to preach about introducing foreign elements to adapt, then the foreign element it needs to adapt is a good script. But Oh! There you go. Hey. Actually, there's one other thing I want to add, because this is not a criticism of the show, more as it's an observation of a missed opportunity. So let's go back all the way to Mystery Blonde Kid, who we don't care about. He oh, comments, shit.
1: I've already forgotten about him. Like, I'm not even kidding. (laughs) When you said mystery blonde kid, there was half a second. It took my brain longer than it should have to remember who you meant.
0: It it was half a second long than it was necessary. You shouldn't even cared about him. Okay. okay. My point is this. Blonde Kid mentions this is the first time anyone has survived with Zero Two. Now, let me pitch an idea to you here, folks. Now that uh, we've got past episode six and Hero has lived... What if Hero found out that Zero Two had had another partner who had lived more than three times, but for other reasons, was now no longer partnered with her? Think about it for a moment. Hero currently is all special, like, you know, character, like, you know, he his relationship with Zero Two is defined by the fact that he's the only one she can pilot with. And that's what makes him unique and worthwhile. Oh, that's gonna, yeah, he won't be unique in that regard, I feel exactly that's the point yeah What what a character development point that would have been for him to realize that i i think it will i think it will happen you think that we're going to find out because bear in mind mystery blonde boy did say that it's never happened that's why i'm saying it's a missed opportunity because has pretty conclusively uh, stated that you know okay. that yeah. that's not going to happen uh well no well okay unless we choose to think he's a liar or just
1: doesn't doesn't know everything yeah i i feel i i have felt for a while, but that would be a pretty obvious place for them to go. Maybe even as a, like a something at the end, you know, where a mystery person, no one knew about, or no one knew like, yo, you're still alive. But I mean, who knows? It's just completely wild speculation. Uh, but if they, if he is telling the truth that yet, you're right. I do think it's um that would have been kind of a layup and they're just making it harder on themselves. <laughs> but I, I guess it, it would be kind of good so the more i think about it yes it's an obvious play but i i'm not actually sure i'd like to see that play out i don't know mm.
0: well i think it'd just be interesting for our character who literally has no real personality on a single attributes to actually develop some in response to a revelation that he is not as unique as the world seems to make him out to be that would be good that's why i'm thinking like and then that would tie into the whole idea of him treating zero two as a person like you know all the embarrassing things he said like i want to pilot you blah 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 blah, blah. like that you know that kind of stuff. So missed opportunity, I think. But I'm only pitching it here. I'm sure they have a different vision for the show, and who knows? Not meant to necessarily know everything that's gonna happen next. But where are we going to go next? I don't know still.
1: Can I ask you how how did how did you feel about zero two and Hero's um relationship as it's played out in this episode and maybe the last last episode as well? Like I. I don't know, like she remains of course elusive and not entirely graspable by him, you know, definitely keeps him on his toes, so to speak, but uh there's a uh, a bit of an edge that is was present early that is no longer there, perhaps it's because he's cleared whatever hurdle he needs to clear, but I don't know i I felt like i felt like something is missing.
0: I'll tell you what's missing. I know exactly what it is. Hero is not self-actualizing or taking any initiative in this relationship. Whatever relationship you want to call it, at all. It's all her. She is leading him by the nose every single second.
1: And it's just, like, all, all praise. Like, I mean... That too, for, yeah. for her to say, like, you're the reason that I'm where I am is utter horseshit.
0: <laughs> yeah. And-
1: I mean, of course it's what you're going to say to the boy you're in love with, I guess, but, like... Is she, though? It's it's a little... Um, she's laying it on pretty thick. <laughs> and then he's just sort of like, Cool! Oh, you're touching me. Oh, man, what do I do? What do I say? And the boys grabbed me and took me away. Oh, you're you're going to swim again? I won't go with you. I'll just stay up here and, and eat bell peppers. Thanks.
0: I Now that you've said that, it is actually just a couple of notches above being on love heena level of oh, one Christ guy fu- fucking worshipped by the women around him, like, and then also just freaking out whenever you know they get close to him in any way. That age old trope that I absolutely despise. I where, hate that
1: man. It doesn't. I is he I scared don't... of his own erection? <sighs> like, I'm I mean, yes. Hell. Like that, she d- she does, you know caress him and like come up and lick his face and talk about kissing and that throws him off and that's good I just want like I want more of like you said either him contributing or rather than her following him around her blazing her own trail and, and him following after her and struggling to keep up I think either of those will be more interesting than kind of what's happened lately
0: to be fair, she does do that at the end when she goes off swimming on her own.
1: Yeah, but I well, I feel like it's—I could be wrong about this—but the note that it hit strongest that action for me was, I-, "I wish Hero would come out here with me, and I could have him all to myself."
0: Ah, I see. So she wasn't; she was being subtle about it, as opposed to just literally grabbing him and taking him.
1: I could be wrong about that because she i mean sometimes she's subtle and sometimes she's very much not like she's erratic so i don't i don't know um i i like her very much and i just want to see i want what's best for her damn it <laughs> she should be another
0: show that find a better boy <laughs> uh, again like like i said before though there's not a lot of great choice out there that's true <laughs> I'm so, very sorry to say. Yeah. Uh, I have actually just remembered one thing, though, that I did find funny about this that even it's never commented on. And in hindsight, I get why it happened, but I do love the fact that none of the cookie cutter kids are with these guys. No. <laughs> they, they all went off elsewhere. They don't get a beach holiday. They're off back to the fucking, you know, gym or the obstacle course <laughs> or whatever. Yes.
1: The, the, sleep, the sleep machines in Chrono Trigger <laughs> oh, <fucking laughs> that funny. are like, you got a full night's rest, but you're still hungry.
0: Put put it back in a tank. Yes. <laughs> oh.
1: Like, Yeah, I don't even know if they'd want to be hanging out with Zero Two.
0: I don't know. I Again, I have, like I said to you before though, I don't know what the show's about. Now I'll be fair, this episode's construction doesn't mean it's going to add a lot to that. You know, it's not going to give us much more of an idea. That's the way it is. This episode is primarily about giving you fan service. There's not really any way around that. Yeah. All the things we've just talked about, forever long we might talk, talk to them about. They're not really all that consequential. They're just smoke and mirrors. It, it, here's a thing that may be important later and here's another thing that may be important mm-hmm. later. And here's character beats that we already know that have already been established but we're doing it again. And yeah. here's, here's a thing that should have been relevant but isn't. And... <laughs> right. And that's really it. Honestly, like, and again, I have to say if you wanted to come into this for the cheesecake for the fan service, it's n- not that good. It's just kind of eh. I mean, there's some really like gratuitous. Cl- and by gratuitous, i not necessarily a negative thing. I'm talking like because the show, this episode is right. explicitly about the fan service. There are like one or two gratuitous bits, and there's of course uh, Miku, the lovely thing you mentioned where she's resting on Coco's lap, and all the la- all the guys are like, oh, I want to do. Uh, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> Look at their envious
1: stares. <laughs> that made me laugh. Was Miku
0: flipping but all of them off? By the way, she was throwing up the V sign. <laughs> get books <laughs> amazing. amazing that's great oh boy god
1: bless all the ladies all the ladies in the show god bless them all i i they all deserve better <laughs> which is true of real life but
0: ah uh, yes yes indeed but yeah um that's really all i have to say about the episode
1: so, give me your give me your star rating
0: I'm not going to give you one. It doesn't. This episode <laughs> is um, this episode is consequence free enough that a star rating on its relevance or qualities to the show does not matter. It is a thing. It is. There you poof go. Poof out of five.
1: <laughs> it is. I'm I'm going to give it. Um, I'm going to give it two point seven grilled vegetables out of five. <laughs> uh, just because there's some some there there, but not all that much. Uh, those 2.7 points are all on the strength of like spending time with the characters that I like again and the teensy weensy little, you know, revelations or character moments that we get to feed upon. Yeah. That's where those are. That's where those are coming from. But give me more of that. I want, uh, I want more next episode, more meat on the bone, please.
0: Yeah. I'm in agreement.
1: The last two were so good. This one definitely was a definitely is you know came it was a come down for me for sure.
0: I think I think though like if I had to rate this episode, I'd still think that it was good all in all. It just feels inconsequential, and I mm-hmm. think that there is potential here for a lot of things to be done with Frank's. Like there's so many different ways this could go, so many different things this show could be. It's just confused about its identity. But I'm probably repeating myself a little bit here. So I don't know. We'll keep, we're will keep. we going to keep on watching. Yeah. And again, I have to state, like, you know, I'm not against fan service. If it's, uh, you know, just upfront and honest with me as it was here, like, you know, this is literally the DOA Beach Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball <laughs> episode. There is even a volleyball game. The two girls have one for like five seconds before they fuck it up.
1: I didn't even remember. Oh, yeah, they fell on each other. That's right. Yeah.
0: All over each other. And the guys are watching like, praise the beach.
1: Idiots. Uh... Oh, man. Well, I'm de- my palate's definitely cleansed for next time. I was brought back down to earth a little bit, so I'm pretty expectation free for episode eight.
0: Maybe that's what they're going for.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the this is not a trigger show, but it's basically a trigger show in that Gurren Lagann. There was a bathhouse episode which was very throwaway, and then right after that were some fucking amazing episodes. Now that show, even early on was, uh, is a tier above what Franks has been able to be. But, hey, I gotta hope, right?
0: Mm, I agree. And it's not like, again, this this show can't course corrects at this point and can't become about something. Yeah,
1: yeah. And hey, even if it doesn't, up to this point I've enjoyed myself most of the time. And this was, this was a fine. I mean, this was by no means a bad way to pass, you know, 25 minutes. Mm. God, just, just...
0: Episode five though so good. Come on, oh my God, episode five. Yeah. I that's it. When you watch a show like this that is uneven, it feels like almost like you've been drugged, like you're a <laughs> Because you keep wanting you keep wanting the hit to be as good as it was the last yes. time that it was yes. good. And that's what we're holding on for. We're basically crack addicts. We're chopping up this show and like snorting it.
1: Kokoro. When you go in that pharmacy. Oh. Gimme give, give me a little something something.
0: <laughs> Kokoro. I need
1: a bump of that episode five.
0: Kokoro, ha, oh, <laughs> well, that's episode seven, the beach one, spring break, yep, why don't
1: you uh tell the good people out there where they can look you up,
0: Shanon, well, you can uh, look me up at Blackpool Pleasure Beach, no, you can't, sorry, that <laughs> Blackpool no. Pleasure Beach, god, what a name,
1: came uh, back, no. I never thought, I thought you'd bring that up, well, never, but then you did, and I didn't expect it to come back up again, and then here we are.
0: Well, it is a beach episode, so it's a reference. Mm-hmm. No, you, you'll not find me at beach, folks, but you will find me on the internet at Shaden1010 on Twitter and at CuriousCat.me forward slash Shaden where you can ask me about my favorite beach activities like drinking and drinking and barbecue and drinking. Okay, you don't need to ask me anymore. Those
1: are very good activities not confined to the beach. <laughs> Indeed. Uh if you'd like to look me up, then you can tweet me at the Subtle Doctor or Curiouscat.me slash the Subtle Doctor to ask long questions and get possibly long answers. Thank you, Shadon, for uh playing at the beach with me for this episode <laughs> of Stream of Thought. So it's been a pleasure as always. And thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next time for episode eight. But until then, embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe.